The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Was Jesus merely a man, a great rabbi, an ethical teacher? Or was Jesus, in fact, the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of the living God? One of the most amazing facts in the New Testament accounts of Jesus is that he was put on oath in a court of law, and he was made to testify about his true identity. Stay with us as we scrutinize this fascinating truth and what it means in your life. Hello, I'm Christine Dark, an evangelist of the empty tomb in Jerusalem. And that tomb is a witness to the fact that Jesus of Nazareth was exactly who he claimed to be. I'll be using the Hebrew name Yeshua interchangeably with the English equivalent Jesus. So you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Was Jesus the Jewish Messiah? Was Yeshua, in fact, the Son of God? The good news, according to Romans 1.4, is that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God by the divine power which raised him from the dead. That's a bold statement of fact to which hundreds of eyewitnesses testified during the period of 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension to heaven. But for any skeptics, I can also offer this compelling evidence. The historic gospel records record that Jesus testified under oath concerning his mission and identity. And Jesus certainly was no liar. The gospel writers testified that he never sinned. And Jesus never performed a miracle for himself. In fact, at his death, he actually prayed for his tormentors. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus was so unique in his words and behavior, even in his horrific death, that the centurion who stood sentinel at the cross could only conclude that surely this was the Son of God. The disciples who lived closely with Yeshua for three years, very up close and personal, testified that deceit and guile never came out of his mouth. Well, I know my husband, family, and friends couldn't say that about my every word in action, especially over a three-year period. And I'm sure you're honest enough to admit that your family and associates couldn't say your behavior has always been perfect either. But Jesus' closest disciples testified that his words were true and that he was without any fault. And in this program, we'll show you that Yeshua testified under oath as to exactly who he is, Israel's long-awaited Messiah and the Son of God. When Jesus was tried before the high priest in Israel's Supreme Court, called the Sanhedrin, he confirmed by oath the validity of his title and claims. 
Let's look at the references to this vitally important incident in the Gospels. First, we're going to go to the account in Matthew chapter 26. Jesus has just been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and led away to the high priest whose name was Caiaphas. The religious leaders had been gathered in a hasty and illegal trial in the middle of the night. And all sorts of false charges were brought against Jesus. But the record in Matthew tells us that Jesus kept silent. This was surely in fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 7, which prophesied concerning the suffering servant, as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. You see, up to this point, Jesus didn't speak up. He didn't try to defend himself. But now let's look at verse 63 in Matthew. The high priest has become very impatient with the silence of Jesus. So Caiaphas demands, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And now the circumstances change dramatically. Caiaphas' adjuration demanded that Jesus open his mouth and give an answer. And Matthew records that Yeshua answered with an idiomatic expression, You have said it yourself. Then Jesus added dramatically, Nevertheless, I tell you hereafter, you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. What a powerful and prophetic statement. He testified in no uncertain terms, under oath, about his title and claims. And Matthew twenty-six sixty-three makes it clear that the top religious leader of the day adjured Jesus upon a solemn oath in the name of the living God. And so Yeshua was obligated to answer. The scene was similar to today's courtroom settings when a person is instructed to put his hand upon a holy Bible and promise to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. At his trial, our Lord had no ethical escape but to bear witness with statements that would surely be used against him. And so the solemn moment arrived, and what a moment in Bible history it was. Jesus stood before Caiaphas, the earthly high priest of the law, and with a loud voice in front of the assembled leaders, Caiaphas demanded, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest if thou be the Christ, the Son of God. This is both chilling and thrilling. You see, theologians explain that Caiaphas was at that moment the legitimate custodian of the pure doctrine in Israel. In a loud voice, he demanded, I adjure you. So please note that adjure is a legal term, and it means to exact an oath, to demand an oath. The Amplified Bible puts it something like this, I call upon you to swear by the living God and tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. 
Can you imagine? Everybody at the tribunal waited breathlessly for the Lord's answer. And the Redeemer opened his mouth and he said, Thou hast said it. This phrase, you have said it, was a customary way of saying yes. He gives the same answer in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 22 and verse 70. So Jesus' answer in Matthew and Luke amounted to, yes, you have stated the truth. And scholars agree that this phrase, you say that I am, literally means, you say it because I am so. Then in the remainder of his reply under oath, Jesus spliced together two Bible verses that surely he had meditated upon many times previously. He quoted Psalm 110 verse 1 and also Daniel 7:13. First of all, Psalm 110, and you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power. And Daniel 7:13, coming in the clouds of heaven. What an amazing statement of prophecy that Jesus said about himself, envisioning his second coming in glory. The Lord must have received a tremendous boost of strength and faith during this very heavy trial by asserting this biblical answer out loud. You, speak, you see, speaking the word of God out loud always has the effect upon us of strengthening us under trials. Caiaphas's demand elicited a very, very powerful prophecy from Yeshua about himself. Now, I want you to think about this. Surely, this man on trial couldn't have been a mere rabbi or just a teacher to make such extraordinary claims about himself. Common sense tells us that he was either deluded or telling the truth. But now I want to take you also to the Gospel of Mark and chapter 14. And we're going to look at Mark's account starting from verse 61. This version of the Gospel is written in an even more forthright, startling manner. So let's examine the record carefully. Jesus had kept silent and he didn't answer any of the charges. And again, we read in Mark that the high priest was questioning him and saying to him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said very precisely, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Wow. The gospel writers are like different reporters at the same court scene, but the facts agree. In Mark's account, when Yeshua utters, I am, it's a wonder that the high priest and all the elders didn't fall down to the ground like the soldiers had fallen when they came to arrest Jesus. You see, in the Gospel of John, in chapter 18 and verse 6, when the temple guard came to arrest him, they fell backward to the ground in the Garden of Gethsemane when they said they were looking for Jesus of Nazareth and he had answered and identified himself by saying, I am he. 
At those words, the great I am, the temple guards were supernaturally knocked down by the power of God. Yeshua was at that moment identifying himself as the great I am, the God of Israel whose name is I am that I am. Now, here's a question. Why didn't the members of the Sanhedrin likewise fall to the ground when Jesus said at his trial, I am? And here's my simple explanation. Over the years in preaching and teaching and testifying about the Word of God around the world, I found that different audiences can have vastly different reactions to the same message. I can preach a Bible truth to a certain group and there seems to be an open heaven where the people are very susceptible to the Holy Spirit. Some can even fall down to the floor under the power of God from time to time. But if I speak Bible truths to very judgmental people whose spirits are closed to me, my words seem to bounce off them like hitting a wall. And tragically, Caiaphas's spirit was closed to Jesus, and he couldn't even begin to entertain the possibility that Yeshua was in fact the Messiah. Now here's something else very interesting. It's one thing that the high priest asked if Jesus was the Messiah, but Caiaphas also demanded to know if Yeshua is the very Son of God. We need to understand something historically. Bible scholars inform us that the Jews of Jesus' day had actually expected that the Messiah would be not just a king, but that he would also be the Son of God. Isn't that fascinating? But since they didn't believe Jesus of Nazareth was the Son of God, to claim that title for himself was, in their estimation, blasphemy and worthy of death. The interrogation by the high priest Caiaphas rendered an answer from Jesus as legally necessary and legally binding. Now, this is according to the Torah. I'm going to take you to Leviticus chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the fifth chapter of Leviticus. And in verse 1, you'll see that the Bible states that if anyone sins because they don't speak up, when they hear a public charge to testify regarding something, they will be held responsible. And the reference and the inference is that they will be uh, held to be guilty and subject to punishment. Therefore, can you see that the Torah made it a violation for Jesus to conceal any part of the truth? And despite the angry manner in which the question was posed to him, for Jesus at that moment to continue to remain silent and not to give an answer would have been to deny or to cover up the glorious truth about himself and his identity. Isn't that something? Tell me, Caiaphas demanded, if you are the son of the blessed. Now that's the way the question is rendered in the Gospel of Mark chapter 14 and verse 61. Why did Caiaphas say, the son of the blessed? You see, that phrase, the blessed, was a Hebrew title for God because 
Jews feared to pronounce the divine name. And even today, Orthodox Jews refer to God as Hashem, a phrase that means the name. They say Hashem in order to avoid being guilty of speaking the divine name in vain. When you add the gospel accounts together, Jesus' answer to Caiaphas was, It is, as you say, I am. Well, at this bombshell of a reply, if Caiaphas had been a truly discerning man of God, he would have realized that he had put Yeshua under a solemn oath, and Caiaphas should have therefore come to his senses and believed this glorious testimony. You see, the Lord's forthright answer should have jolted Caiaphas suddenly to face reality that he was standing face to face with the long-awaited Messiah because Jesus was speaking under oath. Instead of angrily shouting blasphemy, Caiaphas should have bowed himself to the ground and apologized. He should have attempted to make amends. After all, it was his privilege under his priesthood to behold at last the Messiah. Instead, tragically, Caiaphas tore his garments, just as the veil in the temple would soon be torn from top to bottom. Tragically, it's the world's greatest irony that Caiaphas, the high priest, charged God incarnate with blasphemy. But I want to emphasize that all of this has been recorded in the Bible for our understanding of the times in which we live right now. It was also recorded for the future on behalf of the Jewish nation. Why? Because the Bible promises that there is a time coming when all Israel will receive revelation knowledge about Jesus and will actually come to a period of deep repentance and Israel will summons Yeshua to return. After all, Jesus told the nation of Israel, you will not see me again until you're able to say, Baruch haba Shem Adonai, that is, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Isn't it wonderful that the testimony of Yeshua under oath was put on record? His testimony was preserved in the archives of the temple, and when the temple was destroyed, the archives continued in the New Covenant, recorded in the Word of God for all time. This record is permanent, that under oath, Jesus testified He is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and He is presently seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and He will return, just as He said, on the clouds of heaven with great glory. I can assure you that not one of His words will fall to the ground. Despite His testimony to the truth, Jesus knew full well that the high priest and the national religious leaders planned to condemn him. Later that morning, he was sent by the Roman governor Pontius Pilate to be questioned in front of King Herod. Jesus never tossed a single pearl before that fox Herod. Jesus didn't entertain Herod with miracles as Herod had wanted 
and he certainly didn't testify of himself before Herod. Yeshua remained totally silent and didn't waste his breath on Herod, who was a reprobate. But instead, he silently trusted his vindication to his Father in heaven. However, I've progressively discovered the reasons why Yeshua was compelled to open his mouth to give an answer to the Jewish national religious leaders. I've discovered that there are at least four reasons why Jesus testified to the Jewish leadership concerning his true identity under oath. And I'd like to summarize these four reasons for you in this program. Number one, first of all, Yeshua was compelled to give the high priest an answer because he responded out of reverence for the name of God by whom Caiaphas had interrogated him. Jesus responded out of his deeply ingrained reverence for the name of his Father in heaven. He had been put under oath in the name of the blessed, his dear Father. Secondly, I want you to think about this. This is very important. If Jesus had remained silent, on the final judgment day, his accusers could arise and say, well, he never really did tell us who he was, even though we officially asked him and in the name of God. And if he had only told us, we surely would have believed in him. They could argue like that. If he had told us, we would have received him. But in fact, his judges will be without excuse because Jesus did plainly tell them exactly who he is. And so those who condemned him will be without excuse on Judgment Day. And God will be perfectly just in his punishments. God is always just in all of his judgments. But still Jesus did cry out to God to forgive, even from the cross. We leave that with God. Third, theologians tell us that Jesus' testimony was a precious gift to humanity. His sworn testimony was a luminous proof of his divinity. The high priest commanded Yeshua by the living God to tell the truth, and under oath he claimed to be more than a rabbi or teacher. You can't be just a rabbi or teacher if you claim to be the Son of God. Common sense tells us that. As if his signs and miracles weren't enough, we have his own word on solemn oath that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Savior, and he is the very Son of the Living God. Isn't this reassuring? Thank you, Lord, for testifying so clearly under oath as to who exactly you are. And finally, this is very exciting. I think the fourth reason that Yeshua's faithful testimony and witness had to be put on record is for the future. His testimony was put on record in advance of the national repentance of Israel when all of Israel will repent in the near future and mourn nationally because their religious leaders had rejected Messiah in such an outrageous, unjust manner. 
You see, it wasn't the people per se who rejected Jesus. It was the religious leaders who rejected him. And even some of them, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, were his followers. Even now, at this point in time, I know of several Orthodox Jews who have lobbied for Jesus to be retried in order to exonerate him. Well, since Israel is being set up by God for her national salvation, we have to ask the important question. Did God ever reject Israel? No! The Apostle Paul says in Romans 11, Heaven forbid! God hasn't rejected his people. In fact, Paul said they will be reinstated. Paul wrote in a very important chapter in Romans chapter 11, Don't be ignorant of this mystery, brethren, that a hardening, a insensibility, a blindness has temporarily befallen Israel, but not forever. No, Paul said that when the full number of the Gentiles is brought into the kingdom, this blindness will be removed, and then all of Israel will be saved. And so we cry, Maranatha, even so, come Lord Jesus. In the Gospels, we've seen Jesus condemned before a tribunal as a criminal and crowned with thorns by the Romans. But in the book of Revelation, he's crowned with many crowns. In the Gospels, we see his enemies rejecting and taunting him. But in the book of Revelation, they appeal to him for mercy. In the Gospels, we see Yeshua as he was, but in the Revelation, in the future, we see him as he will be when he returns in the clouds with power and great glory. A recent poll showed that most people want to go to heaven, but very few are sure they're actually going there. However, the Gospel of John testifies that these things that I've been speaking about concerning Jesus and our salvation were recorded in the Bible and written down by faithful men so that we may know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have eternal life. I know my Redeemer, Jesus lives. But do you know? Perhaps you're not sure, so let's take time to get sure. Perhaps you were born into a family that belongs to another religion. That's okay. Jesus will receive you just as you are, even if your family were atheists. You can come to the Lord right now. Just make a decision, a commitment to trust Him as the Savior of your soul and the healer of your body. Perhaps you're already a member of some denominational church or some established state church. Perhaps you were christened or baptized as an infant, dedicated to God by your parents. But you're not sure now if you're saved or if you're a believer because you might have wounds or secret sins. But Messiah Yeshua can touch you. Perhaps you're from a Protestant or Roman Catholic background. And I want to say there's one thing that all these streams have in common, and that is the cross. The Bible says it's by the blood of the cross that you and I have been saved and set free. So you say, well, Christine, what do I have to do 
to be sure I'm saved. First of all, you have to say to God that you're sorry for your sins and that you're willing to repent and turn around and live for God and do it openly. Every person that Yeshua called, he called in public. So you can receive him right now in your living room or sitting at your desk while watching on your mobile phone, wherever you are watching or listening to this program. Just pray a very simple prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I do believe that Jesus the Messiah died in my place and shed his blood to pay for my sins. And I believe that he rose again from the dead to give me eternal life. And I'm willing now to turn from my sins and to accept Jesus as my personal Savior and Lord. I commit my life to you and ask you, God, to send the power of the Holy Spirit to fill me and to help me and guide me. Thank you for loving me and saving me. Amen. Amen. Good. I hope you prayed, and I'd love to hear from you through the social media of Facebook and Twitter. And you can contact me at our website at exploits.tv where we have news articles, feature stories, and lots of similar teaching videos available 24-7. We also publish a monthly newsletter, and you can click online to receive your electronic copy. Until next time, praying for the peace of Jerusalem and contending for the faith, I'm Christine Darg. Shalom. What a marvelous gift God has given us through the Internet to share with you all over the world. I hope that you'll take time to visit our website with daily news updates, articles, and insights into the unpredictable world in which we live. And of course, our central focus is the nation of Israel and how God is fulfilling Bible prophecy in these turbulent days. We send out email alerts of all our new videos and you can also read our Exploits Ministry magazine free online. All you need to do is let us have your email address. Better still, you can contact us by phone in the USA at our toll-free number 1-888-245-2692. Our number in the UK is 0843-557-4077. And please keep in mind that all this is made possible by viewers like you who will stand with us. You can make a donation by credit or debit card at our website. Thanks for being a part of Exploits Ministry. You're living in the promise of Daniel 11.32. Those who know God will be strong and do exploits.